What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes, season two, episode twenty-six. Today we got Snoop Dogg and Mac Dre. Snoop Dogg and Mac Dre, both pretty decent names there. I mean, Snoop Dogg a little bit more probably internationally known and known more outside of the hip-hop community than Mac Dre is. Mac Dre is a little bit more of a guy where if you're from the Bay Area, I would say everybody in the Bay Area knows who Mac Dre is, so a popular guy when it comes to stuff like that, but definitely not as known outside of hip-hop or internationally as Snoop Dogg is. Now, before I get into either of these guys, I'll give you a bit of my personal history and experience with these two. I was always a big fan of Snoop's earlier music as opposed to some of his mid to late stuff. But up until very, very recently, I was always a big Snoop Dogg fan in general. So like I said, musically speaking, I really preferred his his older, older stuff. But in general, just talking about Snoop Dogg as a person... I always liked Snoop Dogg. I was always entertained by him. I always thought he was funny and things like that. Now, I didn't have many of his albums as my liking of him went beyond his music and I liked him more as a personality. And even when I got up to and scored and wrote up Snoop Dogg, I was still a fan of him. But I finished Snoop Dogg uh, maybe about a year or two ago. And since finishing Snoop Dogg, I have grown to dislike Snoop Dogg very much over the past year or two because a lot of things that he said and just the arrogant way that he seems to act now, it's hard to explain. Like, I just, something has taken some sort of turn in Snoop Dogg. I don't know, you know, what's going on with him. I don't know if he's pissed off or salty about something or, you know, if he's just turning into like a grumpy old man or what the case is, but... I definitely haven't been liking a lot of the things that Snoop Dogg has been saying lately, and I haven't really been liking a lot of things that Snoop Dogg has been doing lately, so I just figured I'd clear the air on that, and Mac Dre I really knew nothing of. Like, I heard Mac Dre's name before, but I never heard an album or a song by Mac Dre, so he was basically just a completely blank slate for me going into him, you know, and then obviously I heard what I heard when I did this and I scored what I scored, so... Let's get into some background and info on Snoop as both of these artists made their debut in 1993, but Snoop was out first, so we'll get into him first. He was born Calvin Cordoza Brodus Jr. on October 20th, 1971 in Long Beach, California, United States. Also known as Snoop Doggy Dog, Snoop Lion, Big Snoop Dog, Dog Father, Snoop Rock, DJ Snoopadelic, and Snoopzilla. His years active are listed as 1992 to present, and his genres are listed as hip-hop, funk, gangster rap, and reggae. Just to touch on that a little bit, for anybody that doesn't know, Snoop did, you know, you heard the alias, also known as Snoop Lion. He did do some reggae stuff under a different alias, which was Snoop Lion, which we're going to touch on in a second, but I did want to just point that out, that we're not dealing with just a hip-hop artist here. He is primarily a hip-hop artist, and... You know, obviously only his hip-hop work is what he's going to be judged on here today, but I just wanted to touch on that before we move forward. So now, a little bit of a background on Snoop Dogg. Calvin Cordoza Brodus Jr., born October 20th, 1971, known professionally as Snoop Dogg, previously Snoop Doggy Dogg, and briefly Snoop Lion, is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, actor, media personality, and businessman. His fame dates to 1992 when he featured on Dr. Dre's debut solo single, Deep Cover, and then on Dr. Dre's debut solo album, The Chronic. Brodus has since sold over 23 million albums in the United States and 35 million albums worldwide. Brodus's debut solo album, Doggy Style, produced by Dr. Dre, was released by Death Row Records in November of 1993 and debuted at number one on the popular albums chart, the Billboard 200, and on Billboard's top R&B and hip-hop albums chart. Selling 800,000 copies in its first week, Doggy Style was certified quadruple platinum in 1994 and bore several hit singles including What's My Name and Gin and Juice. 
1994, Death Row Records released a soundtrack by Brodus for the short film Murder Was the Case, starring Snoop. In 1996, his second album, The Dog Father, also debuted at number one on both charts with Snoop's Upside Your Head as the lead single. The next year, the album was certified double platinum. Snoop Dogg has starred in motion pictures and hosted several television shows, including Doggy Fizzle Televizzle, Snoop Dogg's Fatherhood, and Dog After Dark. He also coaches a youth football league and high school football team. In September 2009, EMI hired him as the chairman of a reactivated Priority Records. In 2012, after a trip to Jamaica, Brodus announced a conversion to Rastafari and a new alias Snoop Lion. As Snoop Lion, he released a reggae album, Reincarnated, and a documentary film of the same name about his Jamaican experience in early 2013. His 13th studio album, Bush, was released in May of 2015 and marked a return of the Snoop Dogg name. Snoop had 17 Grammy nominations without a win. In March of 2016, the night before WrestleMania 32 in Arlington, Texas, he was inducted into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame, having made several appearances for the company, including as Master of Ceremonies during a match at WrestleMania 24. On November 19, 2018, Snoop Dogg was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So, obviously a lot there. As we all know, Snoop is a very accomplished and popular individual, both in and outside of the hip-hop community. So, that really comes as no surprise there. I mean, we do see... A lot, a lot of things there. A lot of just totally random things. A lot of information about his albums. Um, you know, something that's not really totally random is he went four times platinum on his debut album and two times platinum on his sophomore album. And then you get into some of the other stuff with, uh, you know, the television shows and he was nominated for 17 Grammys and didn't win any. And then, you know, the WWE Hall of Fame and the WrestleMania thing and then in 2018, given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So, like I said, it goes without saying that Snoop Dogg is obviously a very accomplished and popular individual. So, with that out of the way, let's get into his breakdown and scoring and see how it all added up for Snoop. I'm sure it goes without saying that Snoop Dogg was pretty comical and entertaining throughout. He did, however, have some trouble with this flow early on and just rhyme words to rhyme words a lot. Bar A didn't always have much to do with Bar B, and a lot of his rhymes were predictable. He did, however, rhyme a decent amount of words per bar at times and got better later on in his career with keeping a topic throughout a whole verse. Towards the tail end of his career, he got very lazy on songs. Some had no verses on them at all, and he seemed to be mooching a bit off of the fact that he knew his name alone would sell. Overall, though, he struggled at times to find ways to rhyme and flow what he wanted to say and finish below average lyrically. Snoop did manage to register a tremendous amount of work with 21 qualifying albums in total. 17 solo, 2 with the E-Siders, 1 with 213, and a soundtrack with Wiz Khalifa. This included a whopping 340 songs in total, which could possibly be one of the most of any hip-hop artist of all time. Only one of those songs was great, while 13 were weak, along with 30 good ones. Snoop is certainly a household name, and what exists of his popularity outside of hip-hop was most certainly started there. I was shocked to see how much Eminem and Jay-Z in particular borrowed some of Snoop Dogg's material, along with other artists such as DMX, Fabulous, Memphis Bleak, and LL Cool J. Snoop's rhyme style, choice of words, and delivery were all pretty original, although he did recycle a decent amount of material, specifically Sugar Hill Gang. Later on in his career, he almost never did his own hooks, and the people he had doing them were not doing him or his songs any justice for the most part. However, even though he branched off into some other lanes throughout his career, he always seemed to do it in his own unique way. So, I don't think anything in that write-up is too, too much of a surprise about Snoop Dogg. I mean, I'm not sure that anybody really has Snoop Dogg as like a top lyrical cat, but we also all know that Snoop Dogg is a legend, so let's see how the math played out for him. Lyrics, he gets a four, like we spoke about, below average. Snoop Dogg certainly had some verses, or you know, I'll even go as far as to say some songs that he killed. Without a doubt, I'm certainly not sitting here saying that Snoop Dogg is incapable of killing a verse. But again, 
These scores in this study are based off of a person's entire career. You're talking about 21 albums and 340 songs. So we can't just pick out the handful of songs or, you know, the handful of verses that Snoop Dogg killed and say, bro, what are you talking about? Snoop Dogg is, is dope. There was definitely some lackluster shit. The very high majority of his stuff was below average lyrically, and that's why, even though there were some really dope verses and some really dope songs and things like that, it just wasn't quite enough out of the 340 songs in his catalog to carry him above a four. Albums, he gets a 3.55 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.35 like we spoke about. He only had one great song out of 340 songs, which is obviously a very low number. And then he had 13 weak songs, which is obviously way higher than the one great song. But even the 13 weak songs, I mean, even that by itself, that's really not that much considering the guy had 340 songs. So that's not a very high percentage either. But like we just said, really almost nothing there to negate it, only the one great song. So he winds up with a minus 0.35 in total there. Impact, he gets a seven. I think this kind of goes without saying, man. I mean, you got a guy here who, when he came into the game, he took the game by storm. Later on in his career, he kind of graduated to, you know, a more mellow and fun type of vibe. And, you know, he kind of turned away from what he was doing. And that's okay to a certain extent. I mean, everybody has to grow. We age, we get older. But what I think a bit of a problem was, was that it wasn't always Snoop Dogg's content that seemed to grow. It just seemed a little bit more of laziness and knowing that he was going to sell off of his name and what he had already garnered prior. But we still can't take away what Snoop Dogg did. And we spoke about this multiple times. The dude is a legend in the hip hop community and the dude is a legend outside of the hip hop community. So regardless of the, the four times platinum on the debut solo album and the two times platinum on the, on the, the sophomore album... I mean, just on record sales, he's obviously above average with impact. And then you factor in, you know, what a legend he was when he hit the scene and how long he stayed active and how much material he has and the fact that he's even well-known outside of the hip-hop community. And I think you get a, a fairly above average score there of a seven for impact at least. And uh, quite frankly, that could probably be raised to a seven and a half. If Snoop Dogg can manage to come out with, you know, let's say one or two more albums and can influence maybe one or two more people that are coming up right now. And, you know, he doesn't tank those albums and, and trash his score in any other way. That impact is close to a seven and a half and could probably be very close to being raised. So we'll have to see what, what happens going forward with Snoop Dogg if he releases any more material. And if he does, if that affects his scores in any way. But for now, his impact is a seven, which is obviously a pretty good score. And then originality, he gets a six and a half. You have to take into consideration a couple of things here. Like we spoke about, his rhyme style, his choice of words, his voice, his delivery, things like that, super, super original. Well above average for things like that. But then you also have to keep in mind that a lot of his content wasn't very original. The majority of his content is just typical really hood shit, smoking weed, drinking, fucking girls, just things like that. And I'm not knocking it at all. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Snoop's early music. I'm not trying to knock anything at all. I'm just trying to point out that the content was not the most original in comparison to not only what was coming out of the hip hop scene at that time, but also what was coming out of the West Coast at that time. So not very original on that department. And then you had other things with Snoop Dogg that were original. Um, I wouldn't say his image was the most original. You know, he's not somebody that you look at and say, yo, what the fuck is up with this dude? You know, he's not wearing a shower cap. He's not doing something completely ridiculous. But, I mean, he still had his own unique look to him. His hair was usually braided or, or something, you know, twisted up in some kind of crazy way. I mean, image-wise, he was more, a little bit more unique than he was typical. Certain things about him were typical, but I feel like the typical things about him when it came to his image were more so related 
to him just loving his hood and loving the West Coast and where he was from, you know, maybe wearing Dickies or some some All-Stars, some Chuck Taylors, whatever it is, you know, the flag, obviously Snoop Dogg repped the gang throughout his entire career. So, I mean, these are not things that are, that are hidden. And these are things that are very, very common on the West Coast. So, yes, he did do some typical West Coast things. But again, I feel like he was able to do them for the most part in his own way. And then you had other things where Snoop Dogg lost a little bit here because Snoop Dogg tends to flip-flop on a lot of things. Like Snoop Dogg will say something, you know, about how much weed he smokes and, and how big, he, you know, he's a he's a, an advocate on weed. And then Snoop Dogg came out and said he quit smoking weed. And now Snoop Dogg smokes weed again. And then Snoop Dogg went to Jamaica and then all of a sudden was a Rastafari and grew dreads. And then a couple of years later, I think he came out with like a gospel or a Christian album or something like that. So I'm not saying that people can't change. You know, it's not that people can't change their decisions or change their mind or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But when you just flip-flop a bunch of times on things, it obviously is going to take away from your originality a little bit, as opposed to you having a stance that maybe most people don't have or don't agree on or that you get a lot of shit for and you just stand firm in your stance and hold on to your originality. And, you know, I don't care what people think or who agrees with me. This is the way that I feel. This is what I believe and this is what I'm going to hold on to. So, but again, he finishes with a six and a half, which is... Definitely above average. Six and a half is a good score for originality. And then you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five. And that gives you a final rating of 4.14. Leaving Snoop Dogg tied for 104th place of 172 artists done overall. So not a strong finish there for Snoop Dogg. Ended up on the back end of the halfway point. But I think that this sounds bad to the naked ear, like right off the bat, because again, we're talking about a legend here and it's like Snoop Dogg, 104 out of 172. I mean, we got a long way to go. Where's this guy going to finish off? But in all reality, if you ask any real hip hop head, if Snoop is good, even most people that like him will probably be willing to admit that although they like him, they're aware that he's not necessarily the best rapper, especially lyrically and stuff like that. So it really shouldn't come as that much of a shock when you really think about it. I think that a lot of people's argument for Snoop Dogg would just be basically based off the premise and the fact that Snoop Dogg is an absolute legend that's been around for a long time and is still doing music and, you know, never fell off and yada yada, you can continue on. But again... There are other people like KRS-One who are out way before Snoop Dogg that are still making music to this day and still making music from beginning to end at a higher quality than Snoop Dogg. And I'm not trying to shit on Snoop Dogg. I'm just being real here and stating the, the obvious facts here. I mean, these are just things that are real. So again, is Snoop Dogg a legend? Yes, he is. Has he been around for a long time? Yes, he has. Has he accomplished a lot? Yes, he has for sure. And he gets a good impact score, which again could go up a little bit, but that's not going to raise Snoop Dogg to a top 10 or a top 20 rapper from 104th place right now. So I urge people that put Snoop Dogg very high based on the, the legend status that he has to really reflect and think about how much does that legend status really carry him because there are other people that have the same legend status or higher that are receiving higher scores in the other categories. So that's what you get when you add up Snoop Dogg's math and you know, that is what it is. So now on to Mac Dre. Like I brought up earlier, Mac Dre also had his debut solo album out in 1993, but it came out after Snoop Dogg. So let's get into Mac Dre now. His birth name is Andre Lewis Hicks, born July 5th, 1970 in Oakland, California, United States. His origins of Alejo, California, United States, and he died November 1st, 2004 in Kansas City, Missouri, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, West Coast hip-hop, gangster rap, and hyphy. And his years active are listed as 1984 to 2004. So obviously we can see from the years active is him being listed as active in 1984 and not having a debut solo album until 1993. We can see that Mac Dre was involved in the game both before he dropped an official album 
and also was more involved in other parts of the game while he was actually a rapper, which we'll touch on both in his background and the breakdown that I wrote down on him. So let's get into a little bit of a background on Mac Dre now. Andre Lewis Hicks, July 5th, 1970 to November 1st, 2004, known by his stage name Mac Dre, was an American rapper, hip-hop pioneer, and record producer based in Vallejo, California. He was an instrumental figure in the emergence of Hyphy, a cultural movement in the Bay Area hip-hop scene that emerged in the early 2000s. Hicks is considered one of the movement's key pioneers that fueled its popularity into mainstream, releasing songs with fast-paced rhymes and bass lines that inspired a new style of dance. As the founder of the independent record label Viz Entertainment, Hicks recorded dozens of albums and gave aspiring rappers an outlet to release albums locally. On November 1, 2004, Hicks was killed by an unknown assailant after a performance in Kansas City, Missouri, a case that remains unsolved. So, obviously, rest in peace to Mac Dre, man. I mean, you never want to hear that shit. I, you know, this... I'm going to make another boxing comparison here, and I'm, I'm probably going to do this a lot for a number of reasons. Number one, boxing and hip-hop are just two things. I, should, I really should just say boxing and music. Boxing and music are two of my main, major, favorite things in the world aside from my girls. You know, and my, my family and things like that. I love video games also, but music and boxing are just, you know, top of the top of the list for me for sure. So not only are those two of my favorite and most important things in the world, but this entire premise for this podcast is, is based off of a boxing and a hip hop comparison where this is almost like a fight to see who's going to finish to the top. And this is the tale of the tapes, which as I spoke about in my intro, tale of the tapes is in reference to boxing. When you put a list on the screen of the fighter's age, the fighter's height, the fighter's reach, the fighter's weight, all that type of stuff, it's called the tale of the tape. And obviously a tale can be a story and tapes, you know, albums, CDs, things like that. So tale of the tapes, a double entendre there for everybody that correlates boxing to hip hop. So... The comparison that I wanted to make here is that when you get into a sport like boxing, you know what you're getting into, okay? People die in that sport. You know, people have major, major head injuries or receive long-term damage that permanently affects them for the rest of their life. I'm not saying that it happens to everybody or that it's super, super common, but it happens and you know for sure that getting into that sport, you are taking that risk. And all those guys in that sport will tell you that. When they try to do these things to make certain things safer or to change this or do that, these guys will tell you, hey man, listen, I understand it's a dangerous sport. I know I could die in there. And I hope that I never do, but I'm willing to die to, to do what I got to do and get my win and stuff like that. Unfortunately, hip-hop is a similar scenario. Now, I'm not saying that anybody that wants to spit some bars should be ready to get shot. That's not at all what I mean. And I'm not trying to justify or validate it or say that it's right in any way. But when you're really in the hip-hop scene and you're making music and you're going to venues all over the country, all over the world, performing shows and, you know, saying things that hip-hop is, is an art form that's a little bit different than a lot of other music art forms where hip-hop is very self-centered and very competitive. So a lot of times... You're hearing people brag or big themselves up or act super confident or cocky. And that's not to say that all of it is an act. Some of these people, maybe most of these people, really do feel that way. But hip-hop is a little bit more of like a competitive sport as opposed to just music. You usually don't see, you know, country artists or R&B singers or things like that, like having these battles where they're straight up coming at each other and disrespecting each other and downplaying the next man's work saying, this is garbage, I'm way better, or this coast is better, or, you know, whatever the case is. So this is the competitive nature of hip-hop. So I do think that most people that really get deeply involved in hip-hop, which Mac Dre obviously was, I mean, unfortunately the guy was killed way before his time, but... Still, 20 years in the game, 
you know, even though that he was killed young, still 20 years in the game, still accomplished a lot. And that's obviously somebody that was very deep in the game. And I'm sure that him, along with everybody else that takes this road, you know the risks involved and you know that there might be some motherfucker out there that just for whatever reason can't get the entertainment value in your music and has to see if you're going to live out every word you say every second of your life. And I think that to a certain extent that's a mistake because I think that you have to be true to yourself in hip hop and you have to be honest. But if you feel a certain way, if you feel that you would react in a certain scenario a certain way and then all of a sudden somebody does something to put you in that scenario and you don't react that way, not everything is always the same every second of every day. You don't know what was going on in that person's life at that moment and you don't know what those circumstances hold. So, you know, somebody might say on a record, you know, so-and-so ran from somebody and I would never do that shit. But then he got approached by 32 people and he was about to get jumped and stabbed and he ran. And it's like, bro, does that really make the dude a pussy? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe he fucks that dude up really badly one-on-one. But maybe instead of getting stomped and killed by 32 people, which he clearly wasn't going to win, he didn't do something dumb. He did something smart and he got away. And maybe that leads to him getting whatever he had to get back at a future reference or him just living to survive another day and tell another story. I mean, of course you want to earn your respect and you want to be a man of principles and you want to stand by your word and shit, but you also don't want to be dumb, you know? So a lot of times I think that when rappers say certain things, they're addressing either certain people or a lot of other rappers or certain groups of people. And that's, you know, when a rapper says you're bullshit and you won't do this, it can't be taken by the general public and some dude that really is on the streets and is a fucking killer. Oh, I won't do it. And he shows up to a show and just kills Mac Dre. It's like, bro, he wasn't talking to you. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't saying that you wouldn't do it. He was talking to these other rap motherfuckers that talk mad shit saying they're going to kill him and won't. So... I think that there's a bit of a problem there, but like I said, my point was that I think getting into this, when you when you heavily involve yourself in this culture and this competitive nature of hip-hop, you do understand the risks that are coming with it. But that being said, nobody deserves to die, bro, especially not for something that was said on a fucking song. I mean, songs are obviously made for entertainment value. I try to stay as true to everything that I have ever done and felt in my life as I possibly can on a record. But at the same time, there's a reason that I'm making that a song. It's so somebody could listen to it and enjoy it. Whether they just like the way the beat sounds, whether the melody is catchy, whether it's I'm talking about something that's relatable to them, whatever the hell it may be, whether it gets them through a tough time. The song was made for entertainment purposes for people to listen to. So... I think that sometimes things get taken a little out of context and get taken a little too literally. And unfortunately, we have too many instances and examples like this where somebody pays a fatal and eternal price for it. So just speaking more on on what we said about Mac Dre there and, and his background, I obviously didn't grow up in the Bay Area, so it would be impossible for me to speak on what he did locally but obviously seems to have played a pretty decent role in that local area, both in bringing a little bit of uh, spotlight and, and limelight and shine to that area and also in helping other local artists. So let's see how all of that translated for Mac Dre. For some horrid reason, it often seems like the worst artists have the biggest catalogs, almost as if their music required no effort, so they just constantly made it. I can't in any way fathom someone bringing up Mac Dre's name when talking about some of the top rappers at all time. Lyrically, he was bad and hardly ever said anything of any substance. Almost every song was about the same useless things and somehow he managed to contradict himself a lot in that process. His rhymes were either simplistic, didn't make sense, were repetitive, or all three, and although he did say some comical things here and there, it was rarely in a skillful manner. The times that he did show the ability for multi-syllabic rhymes or any type of decent bars were very far and few in between. 
Unfortunately, Dre had a pretty large body of work and had 11 qualifying albums. Seven of those 11 were average and the other four were weak albums altogether. Of the 143 songs on those albums, not a single one was great or even good and 51 were weak. That means a staggering 38% of his songs were weak songs. Although he is credited for essentially pioneering the hyphy movement, understandably, his influence on other artists clearly wasn't there. Aside from that, he also wasn't very original from his persona to his image to the things he rapped about and song style. It almost seems like he created a genre because he sold out to a recommendation, not because he was musically talented. So... I know it really sounds like I just reamed this dude there, and to a certain extent I did, but I'm, I'm just being honest with you about what I said. And it really is a thin line to, to notice something like that where you have this guy that really, really struggles to do almost anything skillfully, and then all of a sudden, somewhere, his music takes a turn and it, it changes into this kind of subgenre that paves like a new lane basically for this subgenre to emerge. And it makes me wonder whether this was something that Mac Dre consciously did, like made a decision like, hey, you know what? I got this new style of music I'm going to break out. Or if it was just kind of something that happened and was kind of recommend like, yo, man, you on to something here, bro. Let's... Let's, you know, let's, uh, let's change these bass lines and, and speed up these rhyme rhythms and things like that. I think, I think we on to something here because anybody that makes music will tell you it's not a one man show. You know what I mean? This is not, this is not a scenario where this rapper is sitting in his room, making his beats, writing his own lyrics, coming up with his own song concepts, recording his own music mixing and editing and doing all his own shit and yada yada like that the very high majority of these guys are in a very high paying studio with professionals that do this shit we've heard tupac speak about this hey listen let's just lay the verses down while the rappers are here you know this guy's rolling up this guy's blazing this guy's drinking you lay your verse when he's done you lay your hook and we go you know we can mix this shit and loop it and edit it and throw on effects and yada yada after the rappers leave. You could have the dudes that love doing that shit sitting in the studio all night just fucking with it. Okay, so generally speaking, the rappers are not the ones doing that shit. So it makes me wonder whether Mac Dre was really even behind this hyphy movement or I should, maybe I should say solely behind this hyphy movement, or whether the idea was really his or not. Because, like I said, it's just a little hard to fathom that this whole entire new subgenre emerged from a guy who really seemed to have a very hard time and struggle with doing anything skillful in any way. So, let's get into the math on what I just spoke about with Mac Dre. Lyrics, he gets a two and a half. He, he was just bad lyrically, man. I mean, there's just not much of a way around it. There were some times that Mac Dre did do some good things. I do not want to make it sound like every single bar that Mac Dre said on 143 songs was awful. Because if that was the case, he would have gotten uh, a 0 0.5 or a 1 lyrically or something like that. So that is not what I'm trying to say. There were a couple of times when Mac Dre had some pretty decent multi-syllabic rhymes and, you know, where, or maybe he had a decent punchline or a funny line or something like that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that anytime that he did have those scenarios happen, they were very rare. It was two or three multi-syllabic rhymes every five or 10 songs or something like that. The rest of it was mostly simplistic or didn't rhyme or was bad or didn't make sense or whatever the case was. And even though those instances were rare, the majority of the time that they did happen, he didn't really wind up getting much credit for it anyway because it was a trade-off. So he would rhyme a bunch of syllables instead of one, but he would say something that made no sense or say something really stupid, but a bunch of syllables rhymed. So it was very, very hard for Mac Dre to gain any points and any traction on any songs, which is why he wasn't even credited with a single good song out of 143 songs. And 
I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head. I, I can't say this for a fact, but Mac Dre might be the only artist so far through 172 artists that failed to register a single good song. I mean, that really is just kind of mind-boggling in itself. And again, I'm really not, my aim right now is not to just shit on this guy. But when you look at the math of it, I mean, it, it really is, it, it's kind of staggering. And then albums, he gets a 2.04 with zero classic. That's obviously a very low number. As we spoke about, he had 11 albums. Seven of them were average. Four of them were weak. It's, it's very rare that anyone gets any weak albums. I mean, they've definitely happened. I've given them out. But they're very rare. I don't think anybody's really had any more than, you know, two to four weak albums. This guy had four weak albums. And the thing here also is that, okay, yeah, he had four weak albums, but what else did he do? He had 11 albums. None of them went past being average. So his best shit was average. That was what Mac Dre brought to the table. If you were to say, like, what do you have to offer? An average album was what Mac Dre had to offer. And that's obviously not saying a lot. Songs, he gets a minus 3.8, which is one of the highest numbers that we've seen in the song category, period, whether it's a plus or a minus. It's rare that anybody gets plus or minus a number prior to a decimal point in this song category. It's even more rare that somebody loses or gains two points. When you're talking about over three points here, that is a major, major number. So he loses 3.8, almost loses a full four points in the songs category. Like we said, 51 weak songs out of 143 songs total. So over a third of his songs were weak songs. That's a rough score there. Impact, he gets a five and a half. And I want to I wanna talk about this for a second because... There really is almost nothing there for Mac Dre. I mean, he's not really known outside of the hip-hop community. Inside of the hip-hop community is kind of hit or miss. It's kind of it's kind of 50-50. You definitely have some people. Yeah, I know who Mac Dre is from the West Coast, right? From the Bay Area. And then you have your people who will tell you, I have no idea who that is. I've never heard of that dude. So it's kind of split when it comes to inside the hip-hop community. Definitely when it comes to locally, Mac Dre obviously had the local part of his fame and his popularity covered for sure. And I'm not sure that just being that big locally would be enough in itself to carry you above average on the impact category. But keep in mind that Mac Dre also was one of the main pioneers and had a big hand in pioneering the hyphy movement, which, as we know, led its way to its own subgenre of hyphy hip hop. And also because of all the other local artists that he helped out in the Bay Area and things like that. So I think really as a rapper, probably below average as far as impact is concerned. And I think as far as an artist above average as far as, as impact is concerned. And I thought that the above average, I thought there were more things there that were above average as far as, you know, being locally well-known and helping out the local talent, you know, to, to rise up and bringing up some new talent and new outlets for people to get out. Those two things coupled with the fact that he was one of the main pioneers in the hyphy movement and generating a subgenre of hip hop. I do think that those things are enough to carry him above average for the impact score, but just above it, because other than those things, there really wasn't much there. No visible impacts on any other major artist that I've seen yet up until this point. So five and a half there on impact and originality. He gets a five. Everything was very back and forth and split here for Mac Dre, you know, his content and his, his message and a lot of things like that were really not original to the point where he was consistently delivering an original message. Now where Mac Dre was original was with his kind of silliness and his goofiness and like some of the lines that he did have that did kind of make you laugh. Or even sometimes where you were just like, what the fuck? Like, what is this dude saying? And image-wise, I wouldn't say, again, you know, similar to Snoop image-wise where he wasn't the most original. He wasn't somebody that you were always going to just look at and be like, what the fuck? Um... You know, he kind of had that Bay Area swag about him as most West Coast and Bay Area dudes do. But I think that he was able to kind of bring that funny, comedic vibe to it a little bit more 
than say Snoop Dogg was. Now Snoop Dogg is funny and comedic as well, but I feel like Snoop Dogg gave off a little bit more of a rugged gangster, you know, type of image where he may have done some braids that looked silly or whatever, but you weren't going to tell Snoop they looked silly. You know what I'm saying? Whereas Mac Dre, I think, was kind of trying to be a little bit more silly and kind of trying to get a rise out of people a little bit more than maybe Snoop Dogg was. So, you know, a lot of those things just canceled each other out and he gets a five for originality there. You add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 2.25 which leaves Mac Dre in dead last at 172nd place of 172 artists done overall. So it goes without saying that at this point in time, that's literally the worst finish that you could possibly have. Keep in mind, that doesn't mean that Mac Dre is going to stay there. There's certainly, we have, you know, about 300 or so, 250 to 300 or so people left right now. Could one, two, or 10 of them finish behind Mac Dre? They could. I certainly hope for my own personal listening experience is that 10 people do not finish behind Mac Dre, and that's not me trying to be a dick. I'm just being serious. <laughs> but it could happen. I do want you to keep in mind that there is also a pretty big gap between him and the next person right in front of him. So not only is Mac Dre in dead last, but he's not even really anywhere near the person that's right in front of him. And the bottom five or 10 dudes have a bigger gap between each one of them than a lot of the middle guys. So I I don't see him moving up, but it is possible. And it's obviously gonna be a lot more difficult for somebody that's passed away this guy wasn't able to really grow with the times. I'm not saying he would have. You know, it's very, very possible that Mac Dre just continued on the same path he was on and just, you know, didn't care to get any better or to grow or anything like that. I have no idea. I can't speak on that. The man's not here and I don't want to speak ill on the dead and say what he would have done or what he wouldn't have done or what he was or wasn't capable of doing. I can only go by the work that he put out while he was here. But that being said, it's obviously going to be a lot harder for this man to move considering he's not here to make any more music. Now, I do want to state that in no way, shape, or form am I saying that Mac Dre is the worst rapper of all time. I am not saying that. He made this cut when there were other artists that didn't. And some of those people who didn't make the cut may very well have been better than him. And in fact, I'm sure I, I can name you a couple of people off the top of my head that I would put money on that are definitely skillfully, lyrically, overall, just better rappers and better artists than Mac Dre. But the fact of the matter is he needed what he needed to make the cut. He made the cut. They did not. Now, should I give them a pass and let them in and score them? I do believe they will score much higher than them. But the point is, they too won't make it past a certain level because they're only going to receive certain scores that are so high in certain categories. So, while they may finish above Mac Dre, they're not going to finish above, let's say, the 250 mark or the 200 mark or something like that. And with what I saw from them, judging whether they made the cut or not, and them not quite making it and knowing that they're not going to finish above that point anyway, it gets to a point where it's like, ah, oh, what's really the point? They didn't make the cut. They're not going to finish past this point anyway. Let's just go through the people that we have and yada yada. Now, some of the people that didn't make the cut were not better than Mac Dre, okay? Some of them were, and they just happened to not make it by chance. Again, that's a technicality. They may have wound up finishing significantly higher than Mac Dre, but I can assure you they weren't going to finish above a certain point. But again, some of those people that didn't make the cut were not better than Mac Dre, which is pretty crazy. Just seeing the scores that Mac Dre, hearing what I heard from Mac Dre, and seeing some of the people that I went through that didn't make this cut and, and not even being able to imagine how bad some of these people's catalogs are because they were so, so bad off of one or maybe two or three songs that I listened to. 
that if they were just to continue to climb down that road, you're talking about probably a one lyrically or something like that. So again, I'm not saying that Mac Dre is the worst rapper of all time, but I don't see anybody that has qualified for my study finishing below that. So we will have to see what happens. So while Mac Dre had some severe struggles, let's give the man some credit for pioneering a subgenre and obviously having a pretty big local effect on the Bay Area and obviously once again, rest in peace to Mac Dre. Now let's get into our list. So we're gonna start with our typical top 15% overall and there are no changes to this list today once again. So in our top spot, we have Black Thought who is in eighth place of 172 artists done overall. Directly behind him in a three-way tie for ninth place is Tupac. Behind him is Pharaoh Monch, who's tied for 12th. Back in 15th place is KRS-One. Couple of slots behind him is Jezza, who's in 17th place. Back in 19th is Slick Rick. And then a couple of slots behind Slick Rick is Rakim, who's in 21st place. Directly behind Rakim in 22nd, we have Redman. Directly behind Redman is Common, who's in 23rd. Back in 26th place, we have MF Doom. And directly behind MF Doom is Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 27th place. Directly behind Rev Run in 28th place is LL Cool J. And then a couple of slots back from LL Cool J, we have Sticky Fingers and Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who are tied for 30th place. Couple of slots back in 32nd, we have Will Smith. And then directly behind Will Smith is Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who is in 33rd place. Couple of slots behind Lazy Bone, we have a tie for 35th place between DMC and Ice Cube of NWA, who are both tied for 35th place of 172 artists done overall. So even though neither of these two artists were able to crack our top 15% overall, since we are now up to 110 artists covered in the podcast, the 15% list grew by one from 16 to 17 names named. Then that allowed two more 80s artists, DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube of NWA, who are both tied for 35th place overall, to sneak their way back into our 17th and last spot of our top 15% overall list. We've spoken about people hanging on to spots and sneaking back in multiple times and stuff like that. And I believe this is possibly the second time that these two have been ousted and managed to find their way back into our top 15% overall. So we'll see if they're able to hold on to that spot through next week. And if not, we'll see if they're able to gain it back after they're ousted again. Now getting into our current top 10% lyrically, and there are no changes to this list today either. Tied for our top spot lyrically, we have Pharaoh Monch and Black Thought, who both got lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them, we have a three-way tie for third place between Master Ace, Jizza, and Common, who all received lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, we have another tie for sixth place between KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both received lyrical scores of 7. And then behind them, we have an eight-way tie for eighth place between Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, and Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony. All eight of those guys received a lyrical score of six and a half. So that remains the same as last week, and this one doesn't tend to change quite as often as some of the other ones do. So... Now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five 80s rappers are as follows. Number one, KRS-One. Number two, Slick Rick. Three, Rakim. Four, Rev Run of Run DMC. And five, LL Cool J. That list hasn't changed at all since we've started listing it and quite frankly may never change. One way or the other, get used to those five names because they are major. Now on to our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far. And there are no changes to this list either today. So our top five rappers of the 90s so far are Number one, Black Thought of The Roots. Two, Tupac. Three, Pharaoh Monch. Four, Jizza. And five, Redman. Now, let's get into our new list that we started last week of our top three artists from each region of the country. 
And once again, there are not any changes to this list this week today from last week. So we'll start with our East Coast. Your top three East Coast rappers so far are number one, Black Thought from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Number two, Pharrell Monch from Queens, New York. And number three, KRS-One from the Bronx, New York. Moving over to the West Coast. Number one, Tupac from California. Number two, Ice Cube of NWA, also from California. And number three, Everlast, also from California. So all three of our top West Coast artists, all from California. Now let's move down South. In our top spot, Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Texas. Number two, Bun B of UGK, also from Texas. And number three, Willie D, also of the Ghetto Boys and also from Texas. So when we move down south, once again, all three of our top guys from the south are all from the same place, same way the west coast was all from California. So far, everybody from down south, all from Texas. And not only that, but two of those top three guys from down south from the same group, the Ghetto Boys, with Scarface and Willie D. So big shout out to them for sure. And now moving to our Midwest. Number one, Common from Chicago, Illinois. Number two, Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And number three, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. So when we move to our Midwest, we do get a little bit of disparity as far as where the people are from. We have Common from Chicago, and we have Crazy and Lazy of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland. But a similar scenario here where we do have two people from the same group finishing in our top three of a specific region. So two Bone Thugs and Harmony members finishing in our top three of our Midwest and two Ghetto Boys members finishing in our top three of, the, of our Down South list. So no real changes again in any of these lists today aside from DMC and Ice Cube making their way back into our top 15% overall. So definite shout outs to them for sure. And obviously everybody we just named if you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can go and give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash Tale of the Tapes podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash Tale of the Tapes. I really would appreciate if anybody could hit that donate button. I still have refrained from adding commercials into these podcasts just to collect money. I'm very tempted to do it, but I would rather not do it. I have a lot of people that tell me they always want to support me and they ask me, you know, where can I, where can I buy your albums? Where can I, where can I do this? And listen, it's right here, man. I announce it every week. So I greatly appreciate anybody that hits that donate button. This is a lot, a lot of time consuming work that we are nowhere near done with. So I got a lot, a lot more work ahead of me. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate anybody that hits that button and that's it for this week's episode, man. The ball has officially begun rolling again. And next week, we'll be covering the Fugees, who they came as a bit of a personal surprise to me. I won't give away why or whether that's a good a good thing or a bad thing, but I was definitely a bit surprised by what went on with the scoring of the Fugees. So tune in next week to see why. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>